back to the podcast, everyone. Ryan Fran here. This is episode number 11, and we are thrilled to be joined by Christine Peck, the Director of Communications for the Poway Unified School District down in San Diego. Christine, how are you, my friend? Great to talk to you. I am great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. I feel like we just talked about this when we were chatting, but I feel like you and I can talk about school PR and media relations and being a reporter for about four hours, but we're going to try and squeeze it in in about uh, half an hour. That sounds good. Seriously, that's why we clicked in the beginning, right? We just met and we were like, oh my gosh, we know each other from, um, or we know people in common, you know, from our previous lives as reporters, and and now we um, are both on this adventure of school PR together. I think we can play the name the person you worked with in that market for like 30 minutes at least and we know so many people that we both worked with or knew somebody that worked with them as a reporter this news business is very small but it's uh been great knowing over knowing you over the past few years so as mentioned you've been a reporter before becoming the director of communications for Poway Unified for 15 years in Fresno You've been in Poway now, leading the communications team for two years. So what has that transition been like for you going from journalist to public relations? (laughs) That's a great question, and I get asked that quite often because, you know, two years, I'm still fairly new in the school PR business, and so the media aspect is still pretty fresh in my mind, and having done it for 15 years, it's kind of hard to forget. I think, essentially, you kind of start off with the fact that as a media professional or as a school PR professional, regardless, you're a storyteller. And I think I start with that, and those were the skills that I brought over to this new career. I think some of the differences, you know, is <laughs> the, the the media business is is crazy, it's exciting, it's different every day, but then I feel like I could be talking about my current job. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into more about that later, but I, I think the transition has been really positive. There is a learning curve when you really delve into education. As you know, there's a lot of um, ways that that school districts are funded or the way that curriculum is set up or the way that school boards operate that aren't necessarily instinctive to a reporter. Mm -hmm. But as a reporter, you're used to learning about something very quickly and becoming an expert on something very quickly. Um, And so, you know, over the past few years, I've really kind of been like a sponge and absorbing all this new information from people around me, learning all the acronyms that are uh, in in education, you know, LCAP, what's that? Um, And, but, and the pace is also different, you know, um, on a normal day in school PR, you know, you can, you can plan and strategize, um, you, you serve as a really, um, an advisor to your superintendent and and you help guide kind of the course and the communications for the district but also it can be fast-paced like the media where you have to drop everything and attend to crisis or disaster um, and step in obviously now that I'm on the other side of the business I'm operating um, still 
respecting media's deadlines, right? So they'll come to you and they say, uh, I need this in the next hour, and, and knowing what that's like, I try to accommodate them as much as possible. When I was at a conference last month in LA, I was one of only probably two communication people there, and there was all superintendents, assistant superintendents, and technology folks. And I did a couple roundtable discussions about communicating, you know, your school district, sharing your story, and how to do that. Did that with my superintendent, Dr. Van Osdahl. And one of the questions that came up was okay, we're about to hire somebody for our public relations and communications and they knew my background as a news reporter just our stories are basically almost identical we, I spent 15 years in news and then transitioned to public relations I love it um, and so he knew my background and I told them what you said is I view myself as the storyteller for the district I'm the news reporter for school district I report on everything that's going on and I understand media relations and social media and you know that's what it is a reporter so when I transitioned from news reporter to public relations for the school district, I was using all those skills as a reporter, but just for the school district now. So his question was, should we hire a news reporter? And I said, mm -hmm. they, I would highly recommend that the news reporters go to the top of your stack. Um, now I work with Amber, who doesn't have a news background, and she's very good, but I'm mm -hmm. very biased towards journalists um, making great PR people because I really think they do because of what you said you're still you're telling stories and that's what you did for 15 years and that's what you're gonna do for the school district and then the other part you haven't learned you're right the the acronyms and the education when you really dive in I mean you're with superintendents and assistant soups and teachers and principals that have been doing this for 20 30 years that know curriculum and state testing and all this like the back of their hand and you're like whoa wait slow down explain <laughs> explain that one more time um, but as a news reporter that's what you do like you said you're used to f covering stories or issues that you had no knowledge of and you learn about it in 45 minutes and then you do a comprehensive report at the six o'clock news three hours later so your ability to learn fast and quickly and accurately um, is amazing so I told them look there's other people out there that are not former journalists that are great PR people but if I'm starting from zero news reporters are going to the top of my stack exactly and I think you know if you do have somebody with a news reporter background whether it's in print or broadcast you really have an advantage when it comes to the media relations aspect of the school PR job absolutely so what was your experience like when you were a news reporter in Fresno covering schools, school districts, what was that interaction like? And then now being on the other side, compare the two. I think what was, um, I think what was really awesome about um, some of the school districts in the Fresno Clovis area is that the people in those positions have been doing it a long time. In fact, um, a couple of them have presented at conferences that you and I have gone to. Mm. Kelly Avance, Clothing yes. Unified, yes. Uh, Jill, Jill Marmalejo mm -hmm. uh, from Fresno Unified. Um, and so they were great to work with because they were so knowledgeable. And if there was something that I didn't understand about why something was happening in a school 
or if I thought something was a story and I maybe wasn't getting the whole picture, they could really help me understand that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, what I really wanted more of was somebody who really got what I was up against when I was that reporter trying to turn that story so quickly but accurately. And so now that I'm on the other side of the fence, I think one of the things that the reporters here in San Diego appreciate about me is that I have a true respect for their deadlines and an understanding of their needs. And so when they say, you know, we need this, I'm already thinking like a reporter. Okay, if they want to do this story, what is the best video opportunity? Who is going to be the best on-camera interview? Who will provide the most personality for a great story? Um, You know, and also the fact that I'm there for them both through the good and the bad. And so I know that when I'm working on media relations and trying to establish relationships here, If I'm here for them and respond to them, even when the story is a negative story or a story like a lockdown or, you know, bad graffiti on our campus or school threats, I know that regardless, they're going to help me get the message out, even if it's a negative story. But on the flip side, because I've done that and they trust me and I know and they know that I'm responsive, when I have a cool story that's really exciting or new or innovative or or fun or positive for our school district, I can contact them and they'll be responsive to me. And so I think it's a real, you know, give and take relationship that I think has really worked towards our district's favor. And that's why I think having the media background and hiring somebody with that that understands how a reporter works, that understands the dynamics of a newsroom. So even though you don't know education, you also inherently know, and even though you've been on the other side, you know crisis communications. So when there's a school lockdown or something occurs at your school, you know how to respond to it with the media. You know that we are answering the phone and we're not going to say no comment because that just looks like you're ignorant to what's happening. You're not aware of it. You're not in motion. And avoiding the media call during crisis is the worst thing you can do because they're going to go on air and say, we can't get a hold of anybody. Um, And it just, then you can't get out to parents like another avenue or medium of, hey, pick your kids up here. Don't go to this school. Go there. Um, So I think the crisis communications aspect of having been a reporter and attending press conferences and covering these things, I think definitely helps with school public relations and now more than ever as you know um, we're all dealing with school safety and school threats are just one of those things that after Florida there's been a drastic increase and when we were down I was down in San Diego for the Calsper conference last month watching the local news as the news junkie I am and man and the couple nights I was down there Every night there was a school threat on the news and how schools were dealing with it. So how are you guys dealing with it, um, communicating it and working with the media and, you know, parents are calling and asking what schools are doing. And it's just an issue that we're all dealing with now together as schools, communities. What are you guys seeing down there in San Diego? It seems like there is a lot down your way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A couple things. I think, um, first off, 
this is going to take a, a shift in the mindset for many school districts because I know a lot of school districts, including mine before I got here, the, the initial instinct or reaction was to just hunker down. When something bad happens, just kind of close off and let's deal with it internally. That's not an option anymore, which is why school PR and communications is so important. That's not an option. We need to get the word out because regardless, it's going to get out. Our students have cell phones, their social media, parents are hearing rumors flying around. We have to be proactive. So let me give you an example. So, and, and it's not necessarily a, a good example in our case. So we had... Um, right after the Parkland, Florida shooting, we had a break. We had a one-week break, and th throughout that whole week, like you were saying, I saw multiple school threats coming in on the news. And I thought to myself, well, thank goodness that we have this week off. It's giving us a little bit of a reprieve. Mm -hmm. But luck would have it, the first Monday we got back to school, one of our schools had threatening graffiti spray-painted all over campus referencing the Florida shooting, saying, oh, that was nothing, you know, this is going to be worse, Yikes. you know, it, it, it was scary. And so I always tell our community um, whenever I can that you're not going to like this, but your need to know does not supersede the need for safety. And so when something like that happens, our first instinct isn't to run to our offices to put out messaging. Our first instinct is to make sure we're working with law enforcement to make sure the situation is safe and clear. And so it takes a while sometimes. And in the meantime, there are messages flying around, there are social media posts, phone calls pouring in, what's happening, what's happening. By the time we confirm with law enforcement that it was not a credible threat, that school was going to remain open, that we were going to have crews covering up the graffiti, and that we had teachers and staff on campus ready to go on with the school day, we had probably about 60% of our student body uh, not show up or decide to go home. And so it, it wasn't the best outcome. Lessons learned after that, you know, even if we don't have all the information, we need to get something out as soon as possible. Um, but we are always kind of, it's, it's a tug of war between accuracy and speed. And so that's something we're working on and continuing to improve on. But I think the second outcome, in addition to looking at how we communicate, was that even though the threats were a negative thing, it really triggered a renewed conversation in our community and our schools about school safety and put it on the forefront. What are we doing to keep our kids and schools safe? And so right after that, our district put together a safety forum that we invited our families to. And it was, it was well attended. We actually had to have people RSVP in advance and we got well over 700 RSVPs and we had to move the location to try to accommodate the crowd and ultimately we had to close the registration. Uh, but the turnout was fantastic, not just in the audience, but community support. We had law enforcement, both PD and Sheriff's Department. We had the district attorney. We had district leadership. And we all tackled different topics, whether it's preparation, um, you know, prevention, uh, things like that. And, and to, to put our community at ease that this is 
this is something we're aware of, we're working on, and we're continuing to work on. Um, and so I think it's been a really positive outcome from, from the school threats. We may need another hour because there's so many things I want to touch on with you just said because it's just <laughs> such great examples. I mean, the the accuracy over speed is is such a great point and it's such a difficult one now with, as you said, the speed of social media and um, with threats, it's, it's difficult to determine um, as fast as some people may want whether it's credible or not and when they're not credible, um, you know, people are staying home, even though the police have determined 10 minutes later that there's no threat and you have, you know, thousands of students not coming to school and it's just a huge disruption. Um, but it's obviously you want to be safe and not ensure anything. So that's the dilemma um, school districts and superintendents and communications folks deal with is, you know, when do we need to send this out um, before we know it's credible, not credible, etc. Um, right. So it's always so difficult, and with the speed of everything. Um, so then the safety meeting, I'm also curious about uh, what was kind of, I, we get the, we've got the phone calls after Florida too, I'm sure you guys did, that's why you had, had the safety meeting. Uh, what was kind of the general takeaway, and I, I see just so many people asking what are school, what are you guys doing to ensure safety, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, this isn't a school conversation, this is a school a parent, a law enforcement, a, I mean, this is a community conversation. If people think schools are solving safety issues on their own, they're crazy because they're not. Um, and it's, it's, it's a tough message, but it's, it's everybody. And it's hard to guarantee safety, which some people want that. Um, so how do you handle those questions and tell your community about we're doing everything we can um, but we also need you guys in this conversation as well, and we need other people. How did that meeting go, and what were some of the themes you took away? That's a great point, because the number one message that came out of that safety forum was that, indeed, this is a community-wide effort. And that was made very clear by all the people in attendance. We actually were fortunate because before the safety forum, our uh, city and county and school district worked together to create a new tip line. And so we were able to debut that tip line at the safety forum. And so parents were really excited about that because one of the things that parents kept asking for was, where do where do we report school threats if we the have poli- The police department. I don't understand that, though. They, we, we get that question sometimes, too. You call the police department. That's... <laughs> That's what that's where some of my frustration lies. It's what are right. schools doing, and it's like we we're doing the best we can, but schools get out at two forty-five. Kids walk on the street, and who do I call? You call the police. Exactly, exactly. And for one reason or another, you know, people weren't comfortable calling nine one one or the police department when they weren't calling the schools. And so this tip line is monitored by law enforcement twenty four seven. So regardless if they see a social media threat on the weekend or in the evening, it's getting to law enforcement to be investigated immediately. So that was one thing that came out of it. Another thing was a really strong message from the district attorney that that had all of us clapping. The whole audience was clapping. What she said is twofold. Number one, even if you think your kid is not the type 
to make a threat, have a conversation with them and let them know that this is indeed so serious and people are being prosecuted for making threats even though they thought it was a joke or they thought it was funny. Because nine times out of ten, when the, the police officers show up to the student's house, the parents are shocked. My kid would never say something like that. They would never make a threat against the school. But that's the thing, that people aren't having, having these conversations. And so she was asking for parents' help. Please talk to your children. Um, these threats are out of control, but they're, they're being investigated, they're being prosecuted, and there could be felony charges. Number two, we need parents' help in see something, say something. We keep talking about see something, say something. That just doesn't apply to just students or staff. It applies to parents as well. So, so ask your kids, you know, what, what's going on on social media? Ask your kids, okay, can I see your backpack? Because we kept getting questions about why can't we have metal detectors? Why can't we have random backpack checks? Okay, those are neither, uh, random backpack checks are against student civil rights, and metal detectors are not a practical solution at our schools. And so we're asking for our parents' help in doing their part because, like you said, it's not just the school's problem to solve. We need, it to, we need to do it as a partnership between law enforcement, community, parents, and the schools. And so I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, it's um, it's just a, such a fascinating conversation and where the like you said the metal detectors and cl- I heard clear backpacks one school district is proposing and then one superintendent has buckets of rocks in his classrooms and um you know s- some people want police officers on every campus and yet some of the shootings have had police officers on campus and everyone has ideas cuz they're frustrated like why don't you do this why don't you do that and it's um it's hard to implement as you know everyone's ideas um some of them are not practical um but it's hard to tell parents that and people that and you have law enforcement saying the same thing and it's just um it's very sensitive to try and communicate this and have those conversations did you find the the forum productive and um worthwhile and it was a good quality conversation yes yes a hundred times yes it was a lot of work and in a short amount of time because we wanted to address it as soon as we could because it was on everybody's minds. But um, it was so worth it because I think, number one, it did reassure many of our parents to know that we are working on this and there are plans in place to do more. You know, we talked about what money was set aside and what were the next steps in terms of surveillance cameras or securing securing our perimeters of our schools and, and safety plans, et cetera. And so to, to, to let our community know that, that this is what we're doing and this is what we plan to do, I think it was really reassuring. I think also it was a nice time to reset and refocus um, on a conversation that might have gone to the wayside and was now back in national news, back on everyone's minds, and to remi- just to see who are, who are our partners in this and, to, and for our community to see that, yes, we have close, ongoing relationships with our law enforcement um, 
people in our community, and many of them are parents in our district as well, members of law enforcement, members of the media. And so um, I think I would recommend the safety forum to, to any school districts who are considering it, and they can give me a call and I can share, I can share what, what we went through. So what are some concrete ideas or implementations you guys made from the forum that are making schools and parents and communities safer down in Poway that other districts can implement um, in addition to the tip hotline that you guys did? Right. So after we did, we put out the tip hotline, we also um, had an FAQ that we assembled. When people RSVP'd for the forum, they submitted questions in advance, and that guided the presentation of the safety forum, but also we were able to answer a lot of questions that people had, and that's on our website. The other thing that came out of the meeting was that um, we have set aside $5 million for safe, specifically for safety improvements. And so kind of phase one is looking at surveillance cameras and phase two kind of simultaneous is uh, walking every school site, identifying um, any possible vulnerabilities or room for improvement and um, figuring out, okay, where do we put our money and um, how can we uh, raise more money? Um, And then the third was ongoing conversations with law enforcement. And even if we couldn't necessarily afford a school officer for each campus, what can we do to partner with perhaps retired officers or former military um, that we could figure out how to increase security at campuses? So I think those were some of the takeaways. Well, when you guys had those ideas of you know getting more law enforcement on campus and maybe using retired folks, what is your local law enforcement, because I, I hear different philosophies on both sides of it that that doesn't do anything in reality. Um, and some of the kids, it has a negative effect on them when they see uniformed officers on campus, especially the younger kids. And the issue we have here in our community, maybe different in your community, is that some parents want campuses open it's inconvenient that they can't walk their dog at night or when they go to school during the day, they got to buzz in. And then some people want, you know, Fort Knox at every school, nobody. So we have different, it's hard for us because we have different people that want different things. What about down sure. there? For sure. You're, I don't think you're ever going to come up with a solution that makes everyone happy. But I think that's the nature of um, what we do. But ultimately, what we're going to make our decisions based on is what is best for the safety and security of our students. Uh, people might have differing opinions on that, but those that thought is is what's going to guide our decisions. And i i don't have I don't have answers for you yet. You know, we're we're all kind of going through this right now. You as well as our district, um, and you know. I think as long as we keep this conversation ongoing and um, get our community's input uh, and they see that we're doing our very best, um, I think I think it, it'll be good as we move forward. Don't feel bad about not having the answer because nobody in America or across the <laughs> world has the answer to this, and that's why it's such a complicated issue, and I'm glad you spent some time with us talking about it. We'll have to pick up the conversation and get to the 
30 other topics that we can chat with next time because I know you got to run. But we appreciate Christine Peck, you taking the time to uh, talk to us about what you guys are dealing with down in Poway, media relations, and the school safety is such an important issue to, I know you guys there, us here, um, and we're all trying to get those answers and make the students and staff as safe as possible. And together here, we're kind of, we're putting together some forms and sheets, letting everyone know. It's amazing. Once you start to dissect all the safety procedures that you have in place at your schools and what your staff are doing, the extra overtime volunteer hours that they're coming to these committees and who's on these committees. And it's just remarkable to think all the things that we do and that still we may need to do more and um, just let people know, reinforce like, hey, this, this is everything we're doing. And then as we both said, we need parents. We need you to, to help us. You're with your kids, you know, three, three quarters of the day um, and the community and law enforcement. So it's, it's a difficult conversation, but it's an important one that needs to be had. And uh, so we appreciate your insights on what's happening in Poway, what you guys are doing, because I think it helps all of us as well. So we will get to Facebook, our favorite PR tools and other stuff at another time because I appreciate the time you gave me. Christine Absolutely. Peck, thank you so much. We will uh, definitely chat soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Thanks, Christine. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you have it, Christine Peck, Director of Communications from the Poway Unified School District, joining us, and just a great conversation with her, and it is such an important topic, school safety, and what people are doing, how they're communicating it. It is not an easy answer, but we do need everybody involved, and uh, all ideas are welcome, and it's, it's hard to implement them all, but uh, we need to get to the bottom of this, because students and staff for safety, it's, that's what it's all about. If you don't have safe schools, you can't educate, you can't do sports, you can't do music. Uh, it all starts with a safe environment for schools and for kids and staff to learn in and teach in. So it is beyond important. All right, everybody, thanks you so much for tuning into the podcast. We'll catch you next time right here back on the podcast. You can check out my blog, ryanprforran.blogspot.com. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>